Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix from the 3rd of May 2013. For those who are new to the broadcast, I advise you to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, large archive section there where we go through the history of the system we're living through, how it's originated, the, the people who, the foundations really that set it all up, private foundations, Foundations that uh, finance most of the NGOs or non-governmental organizations across the world, which are pressure groups, really, which um, lobby government all the time for particular changes, which the very, very rich guys who own these foundations want to happen. Because we're living through a, a private system, a privatized system of the world. And as you see, government's been farming out so many departments to, to, to private industry for a long time, and they call it pi- private-public partnerships. And the whole idea set up by the group a hundred years ago was to bring in a world where private enterprise runs the world, international corporations, and they have their own historians, their own archives of history. They've been behind a lot of the changes, including the wars uh, that, that's, that's happened over the last hundred odd years. And, uh, and they need these wars, they say, to take over the resources of the world, to standardize it into one system and they leave the same system behind them wherever they happen to go. Private centralized bank and the same kind of uh, government that the people think they elect uh, with the members at the top, always uh, members of the private organizations, this international private organization that runs the world, the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations. So go into the history of it, see where it's going, see how it works, because it's, it's all-encompassing, it's all around you. It directs our lives, it will direct your children's lives if you have any children at all, and it's directing the global society right now. It has been for a long time, and the bypass most people. Most folk, in fact, are, are talking in the past. The things that they are scared of happening have already happened, and they haven't really seen the full impacts of it yet. Remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me take along by getting the books and discs at cutting through the matrix.com where I go through the art of conology. Conology is an ancient art. We're conned all the time by mainstream media and by those who own mainstream media, but people forget they're actually owned by private interests that again belong to these international clubs and agencies. And they decide what, what kind of news we're going to get, if any at all. And if you notice too, there's been a sudden change over the last month or so in the trivia that even mainstream is churning out. They're all like tabloids now, churning out trivia like crazy. And uh, that keeps you distracted, lots of sex and stuff like that, little gossipy stories, but it doesn't tell you what's really happening in the world, so you have to dig deeper. And it's going to get worse, by the way, as you want, they want to dumb us all down as we go through the great transition, as they call this phase of the world. And remember, too, to buy the books and discs uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office or send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations really are seriously welcome as you go through this inflationary time as they devalue the currencies and you can purchase less and less with it all the time. 
But once again, people really don't understand that it's like a, it's like a, a meteorite passing you over your head. First you see the thing, and then if a rush of wind afterwards, the rush of wind is a reality catching up of all of its effects. We get glimpses of the changes that are about to happen. Often we're told in often vague terms uh, what's to happen in the future by futuristic think tanks and so on. But in reality, by the time they tell us this, all the machinery to get it all into action, all the legislation, all the bureaucratic uh, Sherpa visits across the world between bureaucrats has already happened. It's all drafted up and being implemented. And by the time we notice it, it's already in place. In other words, we don't have much of a of a, a chance to change the direction of society. We're all completely, utterly global, done by international private corporations. Back with more after this. I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system, the big world and how really we're just entertained to death uh, we're also misled an awful lot by the media it gives us more and more trivia all the time, little personal stories about people that really, it may be tragic or it may be sad or whatever but it doesn't really affect the world in general, does it? and uh, and yet these are mainstream stories, more and more stories are coming becoming mainstream that really should be just uh, local news in different areas, because a, a change has happened in the media and you've got to understand these big conglomerates work with each other, all the media companies to, to decide policy, they actually have policies, and they work alongside the government too, to decide what kind of news we're going to get if any at all, that is real news that is and the idea, too, is to keep you in the dark about the big, big changes that are happening in the world and even the big things that you can notice, they can't keep quiet, like the wars that they have going on and the ones planned and so on. They have to mislead you uh, with the reasons for them, etc. Because you must always get the public support behind any war that you're going to start. So you always paint them as really evil uh, subhuman entities before you do so. And it works every time. Very old strategy. I might even put an old... Um, uh, link to John Pilger talking about war and he goes through some of the, the strategies of the media over the last hundred years which they've used on the publics to get it all happening. But uh, again, most folk don't really care today. Most folk are really out of the picture and certain age groups have been hammered more so with indoctrination than other ones uh, to get the, the new political correct attitudes to life. Self-hedonistic, uh, narcissistic, live for yourself, don't look outside your little own shell and be quite happy with everything you've got. And now you're not bonded to society or even the community. And so you only care what happens even to the next community as long as your one's left alone. But that, these are the systems, as I say, that are designed by big private foundations which run thousands of think tanks. For every aspect of society, any problem they have to do with cultural changes, which must always be done, and, and brainwashing the culture, preparing them, but it's really brainwashing the culture for the next big changes, they've got to start getting them young, get them very young, and indoctrinate them, indoctrinate them, and it's a very perfected system today. 
but again, too, there's also uh, the, the rise of, uh, and this, is, this was brought out when the big socialist system came out a long time ago, uh, along with the communists, and they were one and the same thing at the same time with the Fabian Society as a, a branch that would run the left wing of, of the, the big bankers' projects, because they run the right wing too, through the Royal of International Affairs. And many of their members actually were members of the, both, both organizations, by the way, for those who don't know that. But anyway, they wanted to bring in a society where science would rule. And sometimes science is used as a proxy or an excuse or a front to rule you. Uh, because if you say something's scientifically proven, it gives more validity to, the, to any particular agenda than simply a straightforward fact, empirical facts. And folk don't question it very much at all. But they wanted to go into eugenics big time and start to have decide on a plan for the future where people would be able to have children or not able to have children according to big panels that would judge you all according to your DNA and uh, and so on and so on and your, your IQ level, your family history of certain diseases, etc. But it's all coming to pass. And they always put out movies long in advance to get you ready for it because we're programmed mainly through movies because our, our firewalls are down. Uh, when we watch a movie, we think we're being entertained. You don't realize you're being programmed. You have no defense up, you see. But uh, Pre-Crime was one movie to do with Minority Report. And uh, here's an article here. It says, Laurie Anderson says, jailed because you might commit a crime. And it says, uh, Laurie Anderson is intrigued by the idea of a future in which those genetically inclined towards violent offending are taken off the streets. It says there's a killer on the road, his brain is squirming like a toad, so sang the snake-hit leather-clad rocker Jim Morrison in Riders on the Storm, and so writes in his own more measured manner Professor Adrian Rain in his chilling new book called The Anatomy of Violence, The Biological Roots of Crime, my cozy nighttime reading this week. So uh, this is how they do it. Neuroscience is trying to bring itself up past even the behaviorists, the psychologists and the psychiatrists, and say, we've got the answer now, you see. They're always competing with each other. But any new science must come in and get lots of uh, publicity, and obviously they're getting lots of cash to get the publicity to make a name for themselves so that they can get the, the, all their, their belief systems put across as facts into the court systems. And they already have done that in the U.S. where they've got murderers off. Say, well, the guy couldn't help it. He was a psychopath. He's preconditioned to do this kind of stuff. This has already happened, folks. It's all based on the old uh, uh, Pavlovian system and the Marxist system that man is just an animal who can be retrained, retrained into anything that you want him to be, including those who are, who are rapists or murderers. Anyway, it says here, the idea is that there's a biological component to crime, that some people are more predisposed than others to end up as violent offenders, and has finally gained traction over the past 20 years. Now, that's a good distinction, you see. They're putting in uh, the violent offenders to do with the non-violent offenders. Now, the biggest offenders of crime in the century that affect millions and billions of people are the bankers, by the way. Uh, And that's called a non-violent crime. And sometimes they'll call it non-victim or a victimless crime. Which, of course, is nonsense because folk ended up in the streets. How many died in tent cities? And so on. But here they want to go into, again, the lower class type, you see. Uh, the ones that can't pay to get off with murder. And it says here, finally getting traction over the, the past 20 years, ever since its low point when the National Institute of Health in America withdrew funding for a conference on genetics and crime after complaints of eugenics. 
Today, researchers say at least 100 peer-reviewed studies show genes do play a role in crime. And while there's no single crime gene, researchers are finding more and more genetic traits that, like it links in a pair of handcuffs, connect our biology to criminal behavior. So it's true enough, you see. You give him, give him another 20 years of indoctrination, little science programs, and you're, you're back reconditioned, ready to go to accept eugenics again. That's all it takes. Studies show the sons and daughters of violent criminals who were adopted as babies into safe non-criminal homes have been found to have greater likelihood of demonstrating antisocial behavior than control groups. Now, they'll miss out a whole bunch of stuff here that would to do with that too, because they found out that a lot of children that come, that are adopted into homes away from, especially the mother, the genetic mother, uh, will definitely show antisocial traits. It's a thing that actually happens. They don't bond the same way to, to, to strangers. It's a, even the smells and things of their mother, it, it, it's missing, it's absent. So, but they don't bother with it. They'll tell you partial truths here to sway the opinion of the article itself. This is, um, studies have also claimed that non-aggressive antisocial behavior was 48% hereditable, while aggressive behavior was 65% hereditable. The bleak answer to the age-old question of nature versus nurture is that while both have a bearing, nature is by far the stronger the two. As Professor Rain explains, dark genetic forces can overshadow the power of environment. Now, that's a eugenicist talking, so you've got to understand where he's coming from. This is his belief system. Don't forget that when you read something. And he's getting paid for this. I said, so what are the means, uh, gene, are the mean genes that appear to be linked to violence? In the Netherlands, Han Brunner has studied four generations of males with a history of violence and impulsive aggression, discovered a single genetic trait, which was that they had little or no MAOA gene, which enzymes metabolize several neurotransmitters involved in impulse control, attention, and cognitive functioning. Now, I love when they do this kind of stuff because literally, uh, these are, these are theories that they have that haven't been absolutely proven uh, and and you could take many conclusions from their studies not to, but they tend to have a pre uh, an a priori uh, um, goal when they do these studies instead of leaving to empirical evidence and trying to find out where it's actually going from there this is an aborted test when the MAOA is knocked out from mice to become ferociously aggressive. Science are also looking for four or five other genes that regulate serotonin, which when raised can fuel aggression, and dopamine, which acts as a biological break on impulse control. It's, just, it's all chemicals, you understand. You're nothing at all. But you set a bunch of genes all competing with each other for survival. In fact, anything that comes out of your mouth is the end product of genes that probably started in your toenails and spread all the way up to your brain and your mouth. And I'm not kidding about that because you should read some of these characters' books. That all you are, as I say, is the final product of all your competing genes inside you. What a belief system this one is. Anyway, it's where they want to go with all this that makes the point, and that's where you get the point too. The brain scans of murders have revealed poor prefrontal functioning, that's all they can say about that. And by the way, a lot of the psychiatrists and psychologists that got the, the, the MRI scans for prefrontal uh, functioning uh, were, were classified as psychopaths, but so far non-violent. What does that tell you? 
Anyway, it says, it says they can lead to loss of control over more primitive parts of the brain, the limbic system, which generates anger and rage. Amongst those tests, it was a murderer who had led a blameless life until he was beaten over the head with a metal bar, and his brain trauma was blamed by the Defence Council for making him more foolhardy, less risk-averse, and eventually leading him into a life of crime with fatal consequences. Well, syphilis can do the same, by the way, folks, because it attacks your brain. And any head injury can cause the same thing. And lots of folk who get in car smashes with prefrontal damage end up with personality changes. So that's not the same as hereditary disease, is it? Since when I was young, the future was going to be like Logan's Run, where women uh, ran around a, a symbiotic uh, pleasure palace in Daphne's Greek togas before being bumped off when they turned 30. Sadly, the future imagined in his new book involves no such silk raiments but features instead the authoritarian presence of Lombosoc, Lombosco, legal offensive and murder brain research operation for the screening of offenders. By 2034, uh, Professor Rain postulates everyone over the age of 18 will be subjected to brain scans and genetic screening by government-sanctioned social scientists, who will then factor in the subject's environmental and use powerful algorithms to determine the risk factors for sexual assault and violence. Those with an LPV, Lombosoc, Scope Lombosco, uh, positive violence of 79%, and those with an LPS of 82%, uh, those with uh, the highest propensity of, to murder or rape, are then taken into restrictive detention centres. Pre-crime, folks. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, talking about pre-crime basically, and how we're getting readied by articles that are put out in the mainstream, uh, getting us all ready for, for, to be screened, and, to, and, and youngsters listening to this will eventually have children, they'll already be conditioned when the government says you've got to bring them in for screening. And it's already happening in some countries by the way. Because eugenics is to run the whole system of all the rest of us, you see. Not the ones at the top, but the rest of us, all the people at the bottom. But it says, it says here that um, this is how they, they would grade them. It's already decided how they'll, they'll grade them. Individuals not enough, uh, high enough to warrant detention but whose risk remains considerable are placed in a police database and so become the prime suspects should a rape or murder occur in their vicinity. This is without giving any inclinations to do so, remember. If successful, the author imagines a national child screening program to identify those people who are most likely to launch spree killings in the school cafeteria who can then be taken into preventive custody and given appropriate treatment. The government would argue that just as doctors screen bodies for cancer to prevent deaths, so they're now screening the population for violence in order to prevent a similar loss of life. How would we feel about such a future? Relieved that rape, murder and violent assaults plummet, or chilled that Big Brother having first peered into our brain and body cells has chosen to lock us up, not because we've committed a crime, but because a computer says the likelihood that we might is currently too high. Well, I hope they don't use the same computers as they do for global warning. Maybe these special computers that they got built for it, because we'd all be in the slammer. So I don't, I don't doubt that some form of this prophetic future will come to pass. Well, come to pass, it's actually passing in some countries. I've been doing this for a little while. There's an article here on Scotland. You see, they use different countries for test beds for this kind of stuff. 
And many, many years ago, when I'm across the whole of Europe, I noticed that different societies were using different experiments of, of cultural change and more government intrusion, more peering into the lives of people, all big experiments, but separated. And now they're using them, all the ones that were successful, uh, and incorporating them together. And so here's Scotland that says, it says, the Scottish Parliament reject GIRFEC, G-I-R-F-E-C, surveillance and named person for every child in Scotland, it says. It says, the Children and Young People's Bill, which has recently been introduced to the Scottish Parliament, seeks to establish a universal surveillance system in respect of every child and associated adult in Scotland. Details of the bill as introduced may be viewed. I've got a link here. I'll put it up at cuttingthroughthemedias.com tonight. It's known as GIRFEC, getting it right for every child. It's already being used and in some cases abused by professionals within universal services and other agencies who've been routinely gathering, storing, assessing and sharing sensitive personal data on every child and every associated adult, the parents too, without express informed consent and in the absence of any enabling statutory framework. Disguised as a child protection measure, but nothing of the kind, Gerfec has spawned a series of well-being indicators known as Shanari, S-H-A-N-A-R-R-I, which represents a universal prescription for a state-approved childhood. That's a state-approved childhood. It has essentially shifted the threshold for interventions in family life on child protection grounds from at risk of significant harm to at risk of not meeting state-dictated well-being outcomes. Every parent in Scotland is now routinely assessed on his or her parental capacity to provide well-being based on government-defined criteria, which, according to its own national risk framework to support the assessment of children and young people, it says, places every child under five years old and most older children and young people in the vulnerable category thus liable to early intervention. This is pre-crime. The bill further seeks to impose as a named person on every child in Scotland who, whose function is specifically stated may not be undertaken by the child or young person's parent, which is a cross intrusion into family life and completely unwarranted on a universal basis. The fact that every child will be subject to this intrusion by a stranger without opt-out, regardless of his or her wishes, or those of his or her wish or the parents and so on, it renders a disproportionate measure in that most children have no need of state intervention, compulsory or otherwise, in their family lives. Given that many parents in Scotland are already struggling to obtain services for their children with additional needs and are often being denied them on the grounds of cost, it is the petitioner's contention that such a gatekeeper, having been licensed by the government to interfere in children's private lives, will not only add an extra layer of wasteful bureaucracy, but is highly likely to become an additional barrier to service access. The name person proposal offers a significant scope for children's rights, parenting choices and family decisions to be undermined and or overruled by an outsider with boxes to tick on a form whose views may not accord with those of the, un, of the named clients who have no, have to, no choose or refuse opt out. Since this will happen, it's already having a, de- a deterrent effect on families' willingness to engage with services whose primary, primary aim is now recognized as being to record clients' personal details and life events, to determine their well-being, they call it well-being, gross well-being, and pass them on to other complete strangers for possible intervention. So uh, every child in Scotland, too, is to be tested psychologically uh, before they're even a year old. No kidding. This is no kidding, folks. 
This is what the eugenicists said before World War II for, for the British Psychiatric Association. And, and again, the World Psychiatric Association run by uh, Freud's daughter. To get into taking over uh, the, 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 from the parents and deciding uh, who should be uh, locked up, basically, or treated by, by law, forced law, uh, and forced treated, uh, and who should not, and so on. That's just where they're going with it all. And remember, this well-being, this whole well-being thing, is a new idea that was put out by, guess who? The, the world's economists. As long as you're happy being poor and half starved, you're safe. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about uh, pre-crime basically and how we're all to be tested, all, all children, some of them across the world are already being tested for violence before they do anything and getting psychiatric treatment because psychiatry and eventually neuroscience, the big one, has to be involved in, in shaping the future and shaping all our lives and so on, personally and otherwise. And collectively, but it's on the go, it's underway, and this was, it was demanded a long time ago by the psychiatric associations. That's why they created psychiatry in the first place. It's, a lot of it's nonsense anyway, psychiatry. They can describe certain illnesses for categorization purposes, but that's about as far as it can go, apart from just doping folk up. And there was much more behind psychiatry than that. You've got to understand the history of Freud and his viewpoints on everything too. This article here has to do getting back to uh, the big international organizations, the private organizations that get all the big wigs together. So many of them, the IBM, all the rest of them, on the go right now. And there's many of them uh, having meetings all set up right now and, and they're advertising like the spring. I guess they'll come out in the spring and, and plan all our futures. And um, you'll find that the Milken Institute is one of them. I'll put a couple of links up tonight on the Milken Institute. Very important people belong to it. I'll put the websites up. Big corporations, lots of them belong to them. And well-known names belong to it as well. But one of their articles here, notice too, for one of their meetings, is to do with the immigration strategy for the borderless economy. Now, I've talked about this for a long time because the Royal Institute of International Affairs that set up 100 years ago this system we're now into today uh, for free trades and the free flow of goods and labor across borders uh, is all coming into fruition and bypassing the general public who are living in the past. It's been happening for quite some time. But it says few issues have been more contentious in the U.S. and for a longer time than immigration. Comprehensive reform appears to be getting close. On one hand, the nation's sizable Latino population is making its presence felt in the economy and the voting booth. Neither party can afford to enter the next election cycle without addressing immigration. On the other, foreigners will fill crucial gaps in human capital. And that's where we are now. The globalists call uh, you as a worker, whatever you happen to be, your capacities as work, uh, global, your human capital for them. The corporate sector wants wider access to the high-skilled global workforce, and moreover, universities are training scientists and engineers who are forced to leave the country because of their immigration status. The panel of leaders will discuss how policy must evolve 
So you're going to change all the laws to serve the country and the issue's many stakeholders. Is citizenship realistic for the millions of undocumented immigrants who have built lives here? How do we open doors to talent rather than encourage its exodus? Does immigration affect incomes? And so on. But they, they go through everything in these global conferences. And uh, as I say, this particular institute is very important when you look at all the different members that they have belonging to it. It's just uh, astonishing. It's only one of many on the go right now. And also, I've mentioned before how we've been brought down, brought down off the pedestal of, of human beings being uh, the supreme being on the planet, basically. Uh, as Julian Huxley said, we were to be dethroned and, and brought down. So as we would accept mass abortion, uh, even infanticide, uh, for population control purposes. And believe you me, these big top guys, again, eugenicists, all of them, he helped fund uh, Planned Parenthood. He, he worked at UNICEF, United Nations. And the whole idea was to plan population for the future. They don't want too many uh, of the lower classes in a, in a situation where they don't need them anymore, especially since they knew a long time ago they would build up China to be the manufacturer for the world. Didn't happen by itself. And... Um, this article here talks about how bad it is. We accept it all, mind you. I've talked about the Gosnell uh, abortionist recently and all the, the, his house of horrors, they called it, with the mess. Of, he was killing children who were born alive and then killing them. And, uh, and again, he's got so much backing from Planned Parenthood, putting pressure on government to, to, to cover it all up. But it says, uh, it's another one here. Abortion doctor leaves a decapitated unborn baby's head inside the mother. You know? It says Robert Anderson's abortion clinic was shut down December by the city of Muskegon, Michigan, after unsafe and unsanitary conditions were found. Now state officials are wondering why the state medical board has not terminated Alexander's medical license. The legislature has planned to hold a hearing on Tuesday on Alexander and Muskegon. OB Gynecology was expected to testify at the hearing instead. The doctor wrote that Alexander should have his license revoked. The doctor talked about one case in particular as a reason why seeing Alexander botched an abortion on a woman in her second trimester. Dr. Alexander perforated the woman's uterus so badly that it was hanging on by two blood vessels, he wrote. The decapitated head of a fetus was inside the woman's abdomen, and the large intestine had been grasped and pulled away from its blood supply and into the vagina. The woman required a hysterectomy, colonoscopy, and several units of blood to save her life. I, for one, was very happy to hear he is no longer practicing in Muskegon, but I fear for women anywhere this man would go to. He might go in our state, you see. Now, this is the sort of stuff that doesn't bother anybody anymore, I think, because we, we don't get horrified by these things. But we're desensitized to it by years of offering very, very violent and realistic television and movies. And we've been taught subconsciously by lots and lots of... Uh, uh, especially wildlife broadcasters and so on, that life is just like that in nature. You, people, you know, animals live and die, and we're just another animal. And, and folk have been getting taught that at school too. So it's like, so what? We're not an endangered species, so no one really cares. It doesn't happen to me, I'm okay, Jack. And again, that's a narcissistic attitude that leaves you wide open to be the next one, the next victim. But I'll put that up tonight too. And also, the other side, abortion, too. A pro-life activist group that uses hidden cameras to go undercover in abortion clinics called Wednesday for a government investigation to practice letting born-alive children die. 
We believe in human rights for everyone, human rights for the child in the womb, the child outside the womb, and true protection and medical care for women. Not the brutality that goes on during these procedures, says Leela Rose, president of Live Action. And um, it says, when I hear things like flush it down the toilet or leave it to die, it horrifies me. And it should, it should horrify us, but it doesn't anymore. Melissa Oden, who as a newborn survived a saline infusion abortion 35 years ago, told a crowd of pro-life activists and, and onlookers, um, noting that she personally knows 130 survivors of abortion. Mrs. Oden said, I very well could have been one of Dr. Gosnell's prized possessions in his house of horrors. She'd be stuck in a jar, you see. But the medical professionals who found me after my biological mother's failed abortion provided me with medical care and sustained my life. So I'll put that up tonight too. I'm sure most folk really honestly don't care as my opinion of humanity today because I've heard enough people talking about things and they're so far gone. About the, everybody's a sitting duck for, for terrible horror to come down the pike. You've been trained for it. I'm not kidding you about that. And a Melbourne doctor's abortion stance may get punished by the Medical Association in Australia. It's a Melbourne doctor who refused to refer a couple for an abortion because they wanted only a boy has admitted he could face tough sanctions. Dr. Mark Hobart, who stood as a candidate for the Democratic Labour Party, which is anti-abortion at a by-election for the Victorian seat of Broadmeadows in 2011, remains a member of the party. Fears he could be punished for refusing to give the Melbourne couple a referral after discovering they were seeking an abortion because they didn't want to have a girl. And so, as his obstetricians have proposed parents uh, be banned from knowing the sex of unborn babies until it's too late to terminate to prevent gender-based abortions. It's just amazing where everything gets into. First, it's just abortion, period. That was gender-based. Secondly, you understand how how everything is interrelated, including all the, the special agendas you get now and everything else. And, and, and well, that's prejudice against this and against the other one. So everything gets mad, folks. But, of course, there's method to the madness because the government always gets panels up to deal with the madness. It's very lucrative, too. Order of chaos was very, very lucrative, especially when you're in charge of creating the chaos and offering the solutions. Now, as we go on and on and on, of course, and nothing surprises me at all, I'm not worried about things because there's no point in worrying about things that you can't do anything about. And you'll find that most things that are happening that will really affect everyone and do affect everyone. It's outside your control anyway. You don't even know who to contact half the time, even if it's a suggestion to make for any kind of change. Because it's done at such a high global level of private interests and private clubs, organizations and corporations, along with governments in bed with the corporations. But um, this is appalling irresponsibility. Senior scientists attack Chinese researchers who've created new strains of influenza virus in, in veterinary laboratory. And it says here that um, senior scientists have criticized the appalling irresponsibility of researchers in China who've deliberately created a, a new strains of influenza virus. It says they, want, uh, they warn there's a danger that the new viral strains created by mixing bird flu, which isn't very, uh, you know, transmissible to humans. Uh, says that so mix the bird flu virus with human influenza that's common ones could escape from the lab to cause a global pandemic killing millions of people. It says Lord May of Oxford, a former government chief scientist and past president of the Royal Society, denounced this, the study published today in the Journal of Science as doing nothing to further the understanding and prevention of flu pandemics. 
They claim they're doing this to help develop vaccines and such like. In fact, the real reason is that they're driven by blind ambition with no common sense whatsoever, Lord May told the Independent. Well, you know, viral labs and warfare labs have been doing this since World, actually during World War II. And he knows this too. Some of the, they should be testing these guys' frontal lobes and what the scientists, they, they make an awful lucrative living and get awards galore. They, they should test their frontal lobes to see what's the problem with that. They make all these killer diseases. And it says the, the record of containment in labs like this is not reassuring. They're taking it upon themselves to create human-to-human transmission of very dangerous viruses. The controversial study into viral mixing was carried out by a team led by Professor Hulan Chen, Director of China's National Avian Influenza Research Laboratory at Harbin Veterinary Research Institute. Says Professor Chen and her colleagues deliberately mixed the H5N1 bird flu virus, which is highly lethal but not easily transmitted between people, with a 2009 strain of H1N1 flu virus, which is very transmittable between people. When flu viruses come together by infecting the same cells, they can swap genetic material and produce hybrids uh, through the, the reassortment of genes. The researchers were trying to emulate what happens in nature when animals such as pigs are co-infected with two different strains of virus, Professor Chen said. So, what they're all do- scientists understand live on grants. And every scientist who goes into these kind of field wants to make a name for themselves. They all have this vision of the name and going down in history for something. And, and here they are making these lethal things which didn't exist before. And we'll have no immunity to them. And it's quite simple to weaponize something uh, that will overrun our immune systems. Very simple today. Very, very simple. Nothing new in that at all. But yeah, it's only a matter of time before even something's deliberately put out, like the 12 monkeys scenario of the movie, or something escapes by itself, or some accident, or an earthquake, or whatever. It will happen one day. And... Getting back to children again and pre-crime and all the rest of it, another article that ties in with that is to do with uh, a report shows persistence of TV violence after a Sandy Hook shooting. In other words, things, things go on as normal and people keep, keep trying to say, well, they're influenced by TV. They, they have lots of studies over the last 50 years of how much TV children work, how many violent things they see per day on television, and they emulate this kind of stuff. But it says that violence, gore, and gunplay are staples on primetime television, even the most sensitive period directly following the Newton School shooting. A study of 392 primetime scripted programs on U.S. broadcast networks showing during the month after U.S. Vice President Joe Biden's January meeting with entertainment industry execs on violence in the media revealed that 193 had some instance of violence, according to the U.S. Parents Television Council. Some violent episodes are cartoonish, quite literally, with Homer strangling Bart for mouthing off on The Simpsons, but there's plenty of gunplay, stabbings, and beatdowns. And it gives you an example of incidents captured by the PTC between January 11th and January and February 11th. And um, this is what children watch, and they copy. I can remember when uh, Kung Fu was a big thing, and they really put out the, all the different movies, etc., in the television series. And ch- young children, who could hardly walk, were watching this, and then going around and kicking their siblings, trying to do karate kicks on them, without just, just emulating what they see. Monkey see, monkey do. This is that simple. Very old understanding. People have always understood this stuff. And those who, who run television understood it perfectly well as well. They know what they're doing.
to bring indigenous society. Folk get all their, their, their behavior actually from television and their fashion, uh, their sexual behavior. Everything comes from it. It's changed society completely. Their opinions are given to them by professionals, you understand. And that's how it is. It's quite simple, isn't it? Digital cash is coming in from the Royal Mint of Canada. So digital cash replacement from Royal Canadian Mint is in the works. And it says uh, secure chips have already been made, uh, made it into credit and debit cards. Next up, they could replace pocket change. I know Canada's really working towards this. They don't want any uh, transactions going on that they can't in real time monitor who's buying what from whom. So the Royal Canadian Mint has been pushing forward with its Mint chip prototype, a digital cash replacement aimed at transactions under $10 since it surfaced a year ago. The Crown Corporation is factoring, factoring a developer feedback, hiring a product manager and consulting with the financial sector. So I looked upon it uh, very much as an alternative and hopefully a replacement for physical cash, said David Everett, the British, Everett, the, the British uh, cryptographic expert hired years ago to work on the Mint chip. Today, people obviously use coins, they use bits of metal and bits of paper. The future is obviously going to be much more electronic. And of course, if folk will all fall for it, say, oh, that's great, one card does all, you know, you can buy a bag of chips for, but then they'll start charging you money for it, because you, you are the profit industry. The people are the profit industry. And then they call it mousetraps. You're, it's a better mousetrap. You, you fall for it, and then you're gouged. And, you, and then you don't have any alternative once you're on it. That's where it's all going to go. It's very predictable, isn't it? And also, this article here to do with um, China. It's interesting. It's been all. You see, we're supposed to keep our our, our eyes fixed on the Middle East and and uh, what's happened to to Syria and, and so on. And they don't want anybody else interfering as we go on because there's a big agenda here. It's got to be finished off Syria, and they've still got uh, um, to take out uh, uh, another country as well after that. Iran, and maybe some more actually, but they've, they've already done a whole bunch of them on the list of the PNAC group that was published in the 90s. Israel also published their list. It was the same group of countries to be taken out. So we can't get distracted by things that are happening elsewhere. And yet here's something that happened. There's been hardly any mention of it. China invades India. Tensions mount as platoon of soldiers slip across the border to claim disputed territory. Chinese troops set up camp in Ladakh region in the middle of April. It's claimed slipped across the boundary in, into India in the middle of the night. And it says um, the two weekend Chinese incursions left India on the verge of crisis is today being reported. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and there's a caller on the line, Dave from DC. Are you are you there, Dave? Hi. Good evening, yeah. Alan. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to mention you were uh, talking about uh, our young, uh, this obstetric mafia uh, across the world and I was looking at the Guthrie test, uh, the little blot test where we peel and make six blobs of bleptin. Every baby in 1970, really, in 20 countries. And just I'll do search on the internet, and I look for obstetric guppy cards. And the first article that comes up is titled, A Civil Method for Science to DNA. 
from Qatar. So this was first started in 63 in Scotland by American physician Guthrie. Uh, but it's the first article, a simple method for extracting DNA from Guthrie parts. Mm-hmm. Professor Dr. Schieberger from Austria. More importantly, that article is locked. It's not free. You've got to pay Cold Spring Harbors Farm Press to see yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's a rabbit hole. They've been collecting our blood, a baby's blood, any baby, to help yeah. save it from a rare disease. But now they're testing them all for HIV, too. That's right, yeah. yeah. But they're, they're giving themselves responsibility because, I see, the top, the head of the, see, the British Psychiatric Association after World War II said we're really pushing not only to, to get into the whole idea of eugenics, and deciding who should breed and who should not to get a better future, but also to get into government as well, so they could pass judgment on different politicians as well. This is at the push of science. This is the time of science now, as they're saying, to, to claim uh, their so-called proper rights and, and run the world smoothly for the guys who employ them with all the big grants, which are way above all of us. But uh, this is where it's all come down to. They want to create uh, eventually clones, obviously, uh, uh, from scratch. Uh, but but in the meantime, they want to to uh, alter us all through through. They're already doing it, taking genes out, putting genes in. Your child may get an allergy. They may have this. They may or not have that. They can't say for certain. But so this is the start of it. Put fear into the public and aim at the mother and the mothers will go forward and say, okay, swap the the different genes and the the ovum and the sperm. And then you go into in vitro and then they get the kind of child that they want. But and yet these guys at the top have no idea of the final outcome of that. And that goes ties right in with that movie, too, that I've mentioned many, many times. Uh, It was a science fiction movie to do with eugenics, creating a a two-class system. And, and you have the ones who are, are more perfect and the ones who are born the old-fashioned way. Yeah. And, you know, one who's not elite. But when you look at this article, this particular article, they have uh, what are called mesh terms, terms that link it to other parts of science. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what they about it. They talk about the term basic ones, uh, DNA and blood, uh, DNA isolation purification. Yep. Uh, then they also mention the bottom polymerase chain reaction methods mm-hmm. and molecular sequence data. But most interestingly, the term tied in with it is silicone dioxide. That's right. Yeah. Quite bizarre, isn't it? It is. It is, it is bizarre. It's bizarre, all right, but but they're that that's what they're doing with all it. We're only getting a fraction, or even of what they do know, and, and and how many tests, how far ahead they actually are with all of this too. I bet there's a whole chain of disasters behind it all that they'll never ever disclose to the public, yeah, and that's a fact. But thanks for calling, and uh, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night, me your God, your gods go with you.